Our Father in heaven, we're thankful that you are awesome, that you care about us with an infinite love. And I just pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we ponder the great Christmas story. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So actually, one of the things I want to share with the folks here, and this was not part of my little, my, my, my talk, but it kind of overlaps with it, is that um, God has really blessed our ministry here together, and one of the neat ways that that has manifested itself is that, as probably most of you know, I oversee another congregation as well that is based in Dexter, Maine. And by God's grace, I have been given an assistant to really lead the work there. And so my time will be much more devoted to this congregation. Some of you may think, well, that's not, um, that's not cool because we're kind of tired of you. And so we'd want you to just spend more time there, actually. Uh, <laughs> but you keep coming back when I show up, so you know that says something. But um, So it's really awesome that God has opened that door for me to spend more time here. And so um, basically most weeks on Saturdays, I will be here with you, except for a few trips here and there. Um, but So anyway, so as, as a part of this whole thing, my assistant, I meet with her every week, and we, we chat about... Uh, things that are going on there in that congregation. And she told me last week uh, about uh, a talk she was going to do there. And I said, man, I'm going to steal that talk. Because I just, I really liked it at, you know, at the Christmas season. And I said, maybe I'm going to start coming there and listening to you instead. Uh, but anyway, so she was telling me about this story, this little children's storybook that is just a cute little story, and it may be a little fluffy for you, but this is the Christmas season. It's time for fluff, right? This is what we do at Christmas. And so uh, it's this neat little story called The Gift of Nothing. Have any of you ever heard of or read the book The Gift of Nothing? Anybody? I hadn't heard of it as well until she shared it with me, and so I just want to read it with you and for you. Um, Actually, the words will not be up there on the screen. I'm going to have them there. I couldn't figure out a way to easily print out notes from PowerPoint without them being like a size negative two font. So I'm going to have to try to, I feel like my dad here who needs glasses. But um, So it's called The Gift of Nothing. The Gift of Nothing. And uh, this is by Patrick McDonald. So listen to the story. It was a special day, and Mooch, it's a good name, right, Mooch, wanted to give his best friend, Earl, a gift. But what to get him? He had a bowl, he had a bed. He had a chewy toy. He had it all. Do you know people like that? You have to buy for them for Christmas? (laughs) Fun, right? 
Mooch thought and thought, what do you get someone who has everything? Nothing. He would give Earl the gift of nothing. But in this world filled with so many things, some things, where could he find nothing? Mooch often heard Frank say, there was nothing on TV. But as far as Mooch could tell, there was always something on TV. Mooch often heard Doozy and her friends say there was nothing to do. But as far as Mooch could tell, everybody was always doing something. Millie came home from the store and said there was nothing to buy. So Mooch went shopping. Mooch looked up and down every aisle. He found many, many, many somethings. The latest this, the newest that. But as far as he could tell, nothing was not for sale. So Mooch went home and sat on his pillow and just stayed still as cats often do. Right? Anyone have cats here? And not looking for it, he found nothing. So he went and got a box and put nothing in it. Then Mooch thought, hmm, maybe Earl deserves more than this. So he got a bigger box. Now that's plenty of nothing. For me, said Earl, Mooch, you didn't have to give me anything. Who told him, Mooch thought. Earl opened Mooch's gift. There's nothing here, he said. Yes, Mooch said, nothing. But me and you. You knew it was going there, right, guys? <laughs> so Mooch and Earl just stayed still and enjoyed nothing and everything together. Not bad, huh? Seems like a pretty easy gift to give this Christmas season, doesn't it? And yeah, I mean, what would you do if you opened up that box on Christmas morning and there was literally nothing in it? Would you think that it was a good Christmas? Yeah. Admittedly, I have to admit, 
most years after Christmas, the presents have all been opened, and it takes about four hours in my house, at my parents' house, by the way. But admittedly, at the end of the day, I say to myself, there's, that's because there's like 15 of us, and uh, my family goes all out on Christmas gifts. But ad- admittedly, at the end of the day, do you know what I feel at the end of the day of opening presents? I not only feel tired, but I think, oh, man, I didn't get that one thing that I wanted. Never mind the fact that for, like, three years in a row is a drone. Don't, don't, you know, a $400 drone. But, you know, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago when we were here for our Christmas program that we have gotten into the consumerist mindset of Christmas, haven't we? You know, the greatest thing that we can give one another is each other. Check out this verse in the book of Philippians. Now, the book of Philippians was a book that was written by the Apostle Paul. And um, Paul, as some of you may know, was really, if there wasn't the Apostle Paul, there probably would not be the religion that we call Christianity. It is not a, an, an exaggeration to say. Paul was early on a, a, a zealous Jew who was seeking to snuff out and to put an end to the early movement that was later called Christianity. It didn't really have a name to begin with. It was, it was simply referred to as the way early on. And so Paul was given the task of going and persecuting these followers of Jesus. And so, as maybe some of you know, one day on his way to a place called Damascus, he was stopped in his tracks, and he had this blinding light overtook him, and right then and there, in a miraculous, kind of like what Mike was sharing in his story, in in a miraculous event, he became a follower of Jesus. And, and, and Paul became a zealous Jesus follower who went all around, all around the land of Palestine, eventually over to Asia Minor, where present-day Turkey is, and he began raising up these Jesus communities. Now, I love the word Jesus community instead of the word church because it brings more of a relational element to it, doesn't it? Paul began to raise up these Jesus communities. He began to raise up people in the good news of the fact that God had come in the person of Jesus to deliver Israel and to deliver the world. Well, unfortunately, not everything was roses because some of those Jesus communities started fighting with one another and at the core of the disagreement was this disagreement and argument over whether people who were Jewish followers of Jesus could have fellowship with those that were not Jewish followers of Jesus. Something happened within this Jesus movement that had never happened before in the history of humankind. It's not an exaggeration to say that. For the first time in human history, 
there was a group of people that came together, communities that were formed that were from diverse ethnic and religious and gender backgrounds. Jew and non-Jew were coming together. Male and female were coming together. All people were coming together to form this one single movement. Ever, ever before then, people were always dividing themselves between ethnicities and races and gender. And they were all separate from one another. And so this was something that was unparalleled in human history. This Jesus movement said, all of us are one in Christ Jesus under the banner of the Messiah. And so one of the disputes that came up, though, early on was this disagreement about whether Jews and non-Jews, those who both believed in Jesus as the Messiah, whether they could literally sit at the same table together when they had meals. Could you imagine that? According to the Jewish belief, in order to maintain purity, when they sat down at a table, if you were not circumcised, you were not allowed to sit at that same table. And so Paul comes along and he does something completely revolutionary. He says, you know what? We can all sit at the same table together. We can all have fellowship together. We can all be together at the same table. Now, unfortunately, the, uh, the Jesus followers in Jerusalem who had a lot more anxiety about whether the people who came into this Jesus community were keeping the laws of Moses, they heard this and they said, whoa, Paul, hold on here just a second. If you allow people to sit at the table who are not circumcised, that's a very slippery slope. Next thing you know, it's all going to be thrown out and we won't have to worry about following the laws of Moses anymore. And we will really be in trouble with the people of Jerusalem and the other Jews in this community. So Paul comes along and he says, one of the arguments he made is that he said, you know what? The man that we all owe our our, our existence to Abraham, our father. Guess what? God considered him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. And so this argument was what Paul made. He said, so if, you, if we're bringing people into the community of, of Jesus as, as the Messiah, we don't need to require this of them because we have this freedom in the Messiah. We are all one in the Messiah. Well, one of those places that Paul wrote, a, he, he, he went to, and this was actually the first place in Europe where he brought the message of Jesus' Messiahship was to the city of Philippi. And he set up a, a community of Jesus' followers there. And later on, as he was hearing reports about how things had gone, I mean, this was, this was Paul's sweat, blood, and tears raising up these communities. And so he would be so invested in their well-being, and he would hear of things that were going on. And, and he heard reports that in Philippi there was some disagreement, probably as it was often, over this question of Jew versus non-Jew. 
And he, and he hears these reports, and he writes them a letter. And he's sitting there at his table. And he says this to the believers in Philippi. He says, in your relationship with one another. Now, we've read this verse before, just the last few months together. But he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think about what the mindset of Jesus was. He says, who, speaking of Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, check this out. What, is it, what does he say? He made himself, what? He made himself nothing. That's the word we were looking at in our story. This Messiah, Jesus, he was God. God himself. He came down and took on our flesh, and he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Paul sets out this message, this vision of nothingness that God himself experienced. He was in heaven, having all of the prerogatives and the rights and all the authority of heaven, and yet he emptied himself. He put it all aside, and he literally made himself nothing. And so Paul is urging this upon his readers. He's saying, listen, if this is what God was willing to do, If this is what the Messiah was willing to do, you and I, as we are followers of the Messiah, we too will become nothing. We will not esteem ourselves above others. We will not cling to our advantages over others. And so the implication, of course, is if if you were a Jew and you were someone who, because of your biological line, had an advantage because you were given... The scriptures, for example, as a Jew, you were not to lord over the non-Jew. And of course, there were other advantages that the non-Jew would have. But what about you and I? The advantages that we have, the privileges we have. This Christmas season, as we ponder the nothingness of the Messiah, as we ponder the nothingness of Jesus, what does it call for us to do? Does it not call for us that sacrifice to make ourselves nothing? Check out the big idea here. In becoming nothing for us, Christ gave us everything. He gave us himself. It's just mind-boggling to me, as I'm sure it is to you, that, that God became just a little tiny cell. And yet in that gift of seeming nothingness, we were actually given everything. And so I want to propose to you this Christmas season that the greatest gift we can give to one another is the gift of nothing. And yet when, we're, when we give them nothing, let's give ourselves in that nothing. Let's, let's allow ourselves to be emptied as we... As we reflect the heart of God. Let's lay aside our self-interest. Let's lay aside our prerogatives, just as Jesus has done. 
we are imitators of Jesus if we take on the name of Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here right now and you're saying, I haven't taken on the name of Jesus. And if that's the case, I would just simply invite you to consider what God has done for you in Jesus as you ponder the implications of of God literally putting aside his royalty, his power, his glory, his splendor, and became a little babe. But let us, as we embrace that good news, let us live it out and give ourselves to others. That sounds kind of broad, doesn't it? It Kind of like, it's so broad, it may not hit any target because you say, well, pastor, what does that look like this week? And I can't tell you what that might look like. It's going to look differently to every person. It's going to perhaps be mean you reaching out to your next-door neighbor who needs their driveway shoveled. Hopefully we won't have any snow in the forecast in the immediate future. Amen? But it may mean providing, giving yourself to, to them in that capacity. It may mean you listening to somebody who, who needs to have their story be heard because they have been overwhelmed with grief and anxiety and and pain and and sorrow. It may look like many different things. Whatever we do, we understand that it is not an act of somehow earning the favor of God. It is the act of living out our appreciation for Jesus' sacrifice as the Messiah who made himself nothing. But this Christmas season... I think God is inviting all of us. I know he is. He's inviting me to live a life that is more reflective of his other-centered love. And as you and I do that, the circle grows, and it gets bigger. And my kindness to somebody else becomes their kindness to somebody else. And on and on and on it goes. I... uh, some of you maybe saw my, my quote that I shared on social media the other day. I watched on Friday night, uh, not Friday night, Thursday night, uh, this documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And it details the light of life of Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. Any of you enjoy watching Mr. Rogers as, as a kid? He, he started in the 60s, so... Some of you who are a little older may have been kids there as well, right? Amen? <laughs> but, um, man, when I turned on that, that, uh, that documentary, they st- he started singing the song, and I was uh, looking at the set. I almost started crying because I just remember as a child, seven or eight years old, six or seven probably, going to my grandparents' house, big, beautiful house in Cape Cod, Mass., um, and watching, that, that was like the only time we ever got to watch TV, you know, when you go to grandparents' house. And uh, Mr. Rogers was always on, and I just it brought back such incredible memories. But um, Mr. Rogers was just a man who just gave and gave and gave. And um, I didn't put the quote up on the screen, but um, he, he shared a few quotes in that documentary as they were detailing his life, the now late Mr. Rogers. And he said this, um, from the time you were very little, you've had people who have smiled you into smiling. Don't you love that picture? 
people who have talked you into talking, sung you into singing, loved you into loving. Isn't that true? That it's just, it's contagious. We smile at somebody, it lightens up their day. We reach out and talk to somebody, they talk as an echo. And when we love them, that awakens in their heart that love. That's why one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite authors, her name is Ellen White, she says, only by love is love awakened. It's just, it, it, it comes as an echo when we, when we live out the, the beautiful reality of God's gift of everything and his nothingness. Deep within us, he goes on to say, no matter who we are, there lives a feeling of wanting to be lovable, of wanting to be the kind of person that others like to be with. And the greatest thing we can do is to let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. So this Christmas season, let us give the gift of nothing, which is really everything. Let's just give ourselves. Does that sound like a good deal? It sounds like it's the most economically attractive option, doesn't it? But it really requires a lot greater sacrifice as we give them our time and our love and our, our affection. Well, Aaron's going to come on up and we're